This episode of the Order 66 podcast is brought to you by the generous contributions of Chris Hunt, Trevor Chapman, a.k.a. Alex Van D. on the forums, Jamie Walker, Patrick McGrath, and Jonathan Stevens. Thank you so much. This episode is for you fine people. I am Marius Johansson, and I heard aldrig for the Order 66 podcast. I am Sith Master Mavkov. I am the keeper of this holocron. You have been meditating on the subject of betraying your master. I can grant you access to Darkseid lore. Are you sure you wish to continue? Please think yes or no. Hi, this is Darth GM, also known as CT4043 of the 501st Legion, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. D20 Radio, your gamers www.d20radio.com Execute Order 66 Fellow Gamer Nation people, yes indeed, this is Wednesday, October the 1st, and Tales of My Demise have been greatly exaggerated, but the good news is that I can now make a good rendition of saying, this is CNN, (laughs) or I I suppose I could probably try and pull off the, in a world. I thought we were recording. Oh, no, we weren't recording at all. Now we are, and say hi, GM Chris. Oh. Hi, it's GM Chris. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Out there in the Gamer Nation, how you doing, man? Oh, man. No, the, dude, you sound, you sound like ass, man. I know, it, it's, it, it, it goes. And anyway, Gamer Nation out there, I have bronchitis, and it is a, if, if, if any doctors out there want to send me your opinion uh, to exactly why my blood pressure is 90 over 60 with bronchitis, uh, you know, let me know, but uh, it's, it seems a little bit weird to me. But Midichlorian counts off. It's something, because I feel like butt. <laughs> Sound even worse. You look like butt, too, if that I helps. Know. I know. Well, I know, yeah. Yeah, well. Anyway, we're do? here for episode number 36 of the Old Aw 66 podcast. That's right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Sorry for the delay. And for those of you who just have walked in the door for the first time and uh, have uh, yet to experience any of this uh, show's premise, purpose, or uh, rantings before, this is uh, the only fan-produced podcast entirely devoted to Star Wars Saga Edition role-playing. And, well, Star Wars in general, I guess you could say. And um, we, uh, we, we like doing it, don't we? And uh, I am GM Chris, and uh, with me as always is my sick uh, tech master and uh, and Jedi in training rebel sympathizer GM Dave. Yep. And uh, I guess, man, that, uh, by the way, Douglas, that dark side bumper you left was freaking awesome. Um, I about peed myself when I heard it. It was so funny. And uh, I think it's rather appropriate since uh, we're going to be delving into the dark side, something rather fierce for this really long episode that we're going to have this week. Right. But what do you say we get things started? 
Okay, sure, no problem. Okay. Let's do it. Oh, let's do it. Oh, oh, you know what? People are people are just gonna. If you heard that little warp, that's somebody. That's somebody um, from the gamer nation there, just all of a sudden pulling out a Skype contact thing, and oh. so you may hear those from time to time. I suppose I, don't, I haven't figured out exactly how to mute those just yet. Those little sound oh. effects, but I didn't hear anything. I'll tell them to all go away. Go away okay. for the next hour and a half, please. Anyway, please do. we please can get do. started. Announcements. Way to go. <laughs> hey, it's not a show unless I'm walking over your bumper. Oh, announcements, announcements. So, so let, let's say that you, you like this podcast and, and you want to hear more podcasts devoted to gaming. And let's say you like Star Wars, but you also like fantasy and you're really interested in playing some Dungeons and Dragons. And you've heard a little bit about this newfangled fourth edition, but you're not quite sure about it. You don't know if you're going to like it or not. Or maybe you do like it. You just want to you know, know some more about it. What can you do, Dave? Um, listen to the tome. Or Wrong. Yes, yes. Radio Free Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer Radio Free Hamlet. <laughs> Our sister podcast. You guys can go directly to d20radio.com. They got their ninth adventure up, man. Um, it's pretty good, too. Uh, they go all into the Paladin. Um, and you guys can check them out, and uh, you know DM Tim and that whole crew as well. Uh, they, may, of course, the, the forums for RFH are maintained on on the main D20 Radio forums, which is of course d20radio.com/forums. So you guys go over to d20radio.com, give it a listen, and check it out. And while you're there, while you're there, go ahead and click on a link and take a look, and possibly consider purchasing some D20 Radio swag. Uh, we have T-shirts up and available for both uh, the Order 66 podcast and for our Radio Free Hamlet. Um, you know you want it. Declare your membership in the Gamer Nation. Um, we got to thank the guys at Crazy Custom Tees for getting us hooked up, and they'll get it out yep. to you very quickly and very inexpensively and uh, are a good bunch of guys. So thank them immensely for what they've done, and, uh, you know, hey, buy a T-shirt. Support the podcast. Absolutely. We like it. Hey, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much, everyone. Yes. So what have we got in the Wizards front? Well, we got some tasty bits of web goodness that are up right now um, at www.wizards.com slash Star Wars, the WotC uh, Star Wars uh, main RPG site. Uh, basically, the, the third the third KOTOR campaign guide web enhancement is up. Um, they pretty much they, they give the stats for uh, one of our favorite bulk loading droids from Zane Carrick's crew, LB! Um, we, we all love LB if you read the comics at all, and... Um, uh, his stats are up there. This, this, this again. This is stuff they were originally planning on putting in the book, but <laughs> couldn't quite make it there. What the, was that? <laughs> That's me. That's, I'm. I'm. I'm going to screw up all the drops today. I just guarantee it. Drink, everybody. Okay. Drink, drink, drink. One. By the way, I counted. I counted the number of OKs at the beginning of episode nine, and I got six minutes into the podcast, and I was up to twelve. So That's I would impressive. have already been drunk. Oh, that's very impressive. You don't need to be drinking, though. You're very sick. Yes, I know. Yes. But aside from the LB stats, uh, also on the website, uh, Dave, Eric Cagle uh, gives us the new Planet Hopper segment uh, with a look at a new planet, Kona, and an all-new species, the Arcona. And what is an Arcona? Remember the opening the opening cantina scene in Episode 4, you know, when they're going into the most Eisley, you know, a wretched hive of scum and villainy, and they walk into the cantina, and there's that, that triangle-headed alien with big eyes that kind of pops its head up right in front of the yeah, camera. Yeah, that's it. That's an Arcona. And, um... Oh, more specifically, it's an Arcona that's hopped up on table salt. Um, and to understand that reference, you're going to have to read the article. So, check that out because it's there too. And lastly, as if they knew what we were going to be talking about this week, 
Um, Matthew Grau brings us the third installment of Behind the Threats, The Sith, and this article talks all about creating a Sith character. Uh, they delve into mechanical and role-playing options that follow canon and express certain types of characters. Some wonderful advice from a good gaming mind. So, take a look at it. You like it. Cool. You like it. And lastly, on the announcements front, um, and this has been posted on our forums too, and thanks to Kyber for pimping this out for us um, on the forums and an email form. Arden Entertainment, and that's A-R-R-D-E-N, is working on a new comic book um, that I've, I've read the first issue of, and because uh, it's out. And quite frankly, it, it's really bad arse. Um, it is a new Flash Gordon comic series. Uh, its first issue hit shelves in the past week, and it is tight. Uh, the, the hubbub among comic geeks uh, was that, I mean, this was supposed to be released a month ago, but Arden was highly unsatisfied with the printing. Um, what they termed a printing error uh, was in actuality just really, really, really shoddy printing and finish on the cover, um, and they flat out refused to release such slop to their loyal readers. And they recalled all 13,000 issues for reprinting. I don't wow. want to think about what that cost. Um, but they wanted to do it right. And I, for one, I don't have a problem with that. But wait, 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 GMC, you say. What the heck does a Flash Gordon comic book have to do with Star Wars? Well, I say you need to learn your Star Wars history, Padawans, because when the almighty Emperor Lucas first came up with the idea of making a space opera film, it was intended to be none other than that of Flash Gordon. Uh -huh. But those those who own the Flash Gordon rights denied his request, so he went back to the drawing board, rewrote his script, and created Star Wars. So know your history, younglings. Besides, Flash Gordon is sci-fi space opera chic, and this is one hell of a book. So check it out, www.arden-entertainment.com. Cool. Very cool. Hey, one we have one last announcement that's gone public regarding some of the D20 Radio family. Would you care to elaborate? Oh, yes. Um, GM Brev has a bun in the oven. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Due May the 13th, which is my mother's birthday. That's right, man. That's right. So uh, Brev is going to be a daddy, a future gamer. Uh, it will be, will be coming, no doubt. He or she, or knowing Brev, it will um, <laughs> no doubt be rolling, you know, sucking on D20s at an early age. Um, it's one of them Arcanians. Yeah, cho chewing the heads off minis, no doubt. Probably. So, big congrats to Brev and his lady uh, for their their uh, happiness. And um, um, hey, man, love you, bro. I hope the kid doesn't have two heads. And hopefully, he's a little bit smarter than Cody. Hopefully, but not likely. And uh, speaking of, I, I did happen to walk down to my mailbox and uh, pick up a rather odd postcard today. Um, here, take 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 a look. Um, this this is a real brooding and and ancient postcard, Gamer Nation. It's written in faded ink and it has a picture of sprawling landscape with a of a rocky expanse dotted with rather well hideous looking stone structures. And the ancient script reads, "Welcome to Korriban, Dark One. Become one with the dark side, and we just might put a tomb for you here." or feed you to the restless Sith spirits that wander our current tombs. Either way, you'll be staying for a while. Hmm. From across the galaxy, it's time for postcards from Commander Cody. Dear GM Dave and GM Chris, I'm writing to you quietly this week, in peril for my life, but I just had to tell someone about this. 
We're returning from the Hordeset system in the Outer Rim and its sole planet, Korriban, less than a week after being assigned to the almighty Emperor Palpatine's Honor Guard for a pilgrimage he wished to make there. Apparently the planet Korriban used to be a world of great importance to the Sith, and I've heard rumors they even began there. The world itself isn't too remarkable, a rocky, arid planet with almost no civilization. Scanners showed occasional blips of scattered settlements of some kind of native species, but we were unable to locate anything physically. If life is here, there isn't much of it. What is here? Tombs. Thousands upon thousands of ancient tombs cover the surface of the world, carved out of the vast rock. Monumental statues and monoliths mark the passing of what must surely have been great Sith lords and leaders. The Emperor, against my fur and pleas, went alone into one of the larger tombs, heedless of the danger. Sometime later he had to be rescued by one of those creepy Emperor's hands, Jang Droga. Droga carried his lordship out, unconscious and badly wounded. I'm not sure what happened, and frankly, I don't care to know. The Emperor is resting in critical condition on board the ship now, racing back to Imperial Center, where better medical care exists. What's starting to worry me, though, is that within a matter of hours, every crewman on board this ship who went down to the surface or knew where we came out of hyperspace has quietly disappeared. It's clear they've been liquidated. All but us clones. I can only assume it's our Imperial conditioning that's being trusted never to reveal what happened here. As such, I write to you in confidence, lads. Please, don't share this with anyone, but I just had to tell someone. I hope never to return to Korriban. Any power that could cow the almighty Emperor, I'd prefer to stay well away from. Well, I'd best be off, guys, and remember, not a word. Long live the Empire! Your friend, Commander Cody. Oh, it's treasonous to be oh. breaking his vows. Damn, Cody. Uh, Sorry, I, I guess I should have read the postcard before I, uh, you know, read it out. Yeah, sorry, man. Yeah, I, I, I hope you don't get killed. Um. But anyway, it's good to hear from you. Uh, I, 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 we're going to put this one up right up right up on the wall. Have you been to, to Korriban, Dave? Yes. Really? When did you go? I was born there. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Sit back down and shut your trap. It's time for mail call. Let's get to some real mail. Yeah. Okay, I got an email this week from Nick that asked... I don't suppose you guys have come across any rulings and or definitions for the grenades and stuff listed in the KOTOR campaign guide, uh, like the grenades burst areas seem to be missing. Well, Nick, uh, there are no official rulings that we found to correct this, but most players we've talked to, including ourselves, um, run these as the same burst radius as any other grenade, four squares. Um, that's pretty basic. Um, considering the only grenade, quote-unquote, listed to date without a four-square radius is a thermal detonator, which isn't actually a grenade, but, you know, kind of a, kind of a miniature sun. Um, we're we're going to go with the, the four-square radius on both the cryoband grenade and the adhesive grenade, which are the two grenades listed in the KOTOR campaign. Guide. Okay, before the hate mail starts, is it a two-square radius and a four-square diameter? No, it's a four-square radius. Four square radius would give you sixteen squares when you throw a grenade. Uh, well, no, it would give you eight. It would give you eight by eight. Yes. All right. You are you are correct, sir. All People right. don't realize the radius on a grenade. A thermal detonator has an eight square radius, which is sixteen by sixteen. Yes, that's incredibly powerful. The only two by two in the game is auto fire. Huh. Okay. For yeah. Some reason, two by I two. Seem by, to remember, two, by two. I um, remember playing two by two, but I don't know why. Oh wait. 
I think you're right, Dave. I'm not positive about this, though. Without consulting no, my you're, you're handy No, you're absolutely dandy. right. It's a two-square radius. I'm misreading my, my book. Ah, okay. Yeah, it, it's a two-square radius. Sorry, so four-by-four four square on that grenade. All right, so all the hate mail, just go ahead and quit writing right now. Yeah, just just quit writing right now. I'm, I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm not going to rescind myself. Yeah, I didn't, not, That's di- right. diameter, not radius, diameter. Yeah, That's right. there, there you go. Douglas there N., go. that means you. Quit. Oh, it's it's not Doug. It's uh, it's Elias. We got to worry about Elias. El- El- Elias Windrider, Wind the man Rider. keeping me on my toes. That's right. Which I appreciate greatly. Of course. Thank you. So, uh, all right. Well, I hope that helps, Nick. The there adhesive grenade is that like a sticky bomb? Yeah, kind of. It it basically slows them for a time period. It's really cool. Um, Nifty. you you should you check it out. I don't, I don't think you you haven't picked up Kotor yet. Have no, you? I haven't. I'm 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 way behind. Uh, that's okay. It's okay. Yeah, you you got you got to check it out. Um, Cryoban is is really cool as well. Actually, Cryoban is what slows them. Uh, the adhesive the adhesive grenade just kind of you know sticks them to their spot basically. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Tangle foot bags for Star Wars. Very awesome. Yep. Okay. Next piece of mail. Um, on the forums, Beat had a questions. I had a couple questions uh, regarding some of the new prestige classes in the Force Unleashed campaign guide. Uh, he asks one, the privateer. Uh, uh, the Privateer's Piracy class feature. It states that if you are, quote-unquote, lost to the dark side, you drop all pretense of privateering and you become a pirate. Ooh. What does being lost to the dark side mean? Having one dark side point? Having so many that you become an NPC villain? Arr. Arg. Hey, um, did, did anybody else celebrate Talk Like a Pirate Day two weeks ago? When, when was Talk Like a Pirate Day? I'm not entirely sure, but I heard about it on another podcast that it was national or international talk like a pirate day and they had people talking like pirates in world of warcraft to commemorate it i talk like a pirate every day Yar. hey hey did, did you hear the one about the sexy pirate movie no but i'm it's sure rated. you'll tell me oh yeah it's rated r of course of <laughs> course okay all right beat um in terms of the prestige class this is this is some very vague wording and as barefoot tour guide noted on our forums i think it's intended to be um, why? Because they want it to be at GM discretion. Now, having said that, as a GM, I would rule like most others and say that being lost to the dark side, quote unquote, means having dark side points equal to your wisdom score. Um, it makes the most sense, and it's a quantifiable, easily measurable way to know when someone is truly evil. Uh, but for a GM running a light side heavy campaign, I could see an even heavier handed interpretation of it. And I mean, since the rule is worded the way it is, one could not fault a GM for that. So, very good. There we go. Two. Uh, his second question, he asked about the Saboteur Prestige class, which is a wicked prestige class that we're going to get to later. Uh, not this week, obviously, but later. Um, the Saboteur Prestige class, he says, um, has several talents that allow the Saboteur to construct gadgets in the middle of combat. Um, examples are the Jammer and the Blaster Turret. They don't state that these creations cost any materials whatsoever. So i got to say, I think this is a little weird, how would you guys run these talents? How would you explain your saboteur player suddenly having the materials to put together a small blaster turret? Okay. Uh, how, to, how to explain it? Beat however you and the players want to. Um, I know that's kind of cheap, but that's kind of how it is. Okay, maybe, maybe the character cobbled together stuff from a small bag of spare parts he carries around, or a nearby droid that just got smashed, or he hastily tears open a computer or a technical panel um, you know, on the wall nearby. Frankly, I would say all of the above. In fact, I would take pleasure in making it different each time. 
You know, okay, you quickly reach down and tear the arm off the fallen battle droid, and with a quick rig and a few tweaks, the inert blaster begins firing. You know, or uh, tearing open the nearby computer terminal, you quickly enter a few commands, forcefully redirecting the energy conduits within, and point them away from you, and blasts begin firing about wildly. You know, or um, uh, quickly rummaging in your bag, you whip out parts from a broken blaster pistol and a few other odds and ends, and cobble them together into a quick turret. It, it really doesn't matter. Okay, here's what does matter. One, this ability costs nothing. All right, that's a key feature of the ability. Two, the ability requires nothing that you have to have on hand. Okay, so say if you've got that bag of spare parts, that's entirely fluffy role-playing. It's not on that person's character sheet. It weighs nothing. It costs nothing. Uh, to make it otherwise is to add difficulty and limitations to a talent that we, we were never intended to give. Um, and doesn't and talent doesn't give those limitations, per its wording. So it is how you want to make it. I recommend taking it for what it is as a really fun role-playing uh, challenge, especially as a GM. That, that just would just be a hoot. Um, you know, and you know, if, if you guys aren't happy with that, you, you just have to have the realism in your game, fine, make, make him carry a bag of spare parts, but don't let it weigh more than a kilo. Um, and that would be kind of my 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 wording on that. So I don't know. What what do you think, Dave? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much with you. Yeah. So I mean, the, the key thing though is remember, just, just don't don't change the the intent of the talent. And the intent of the talent is to if it to be a costless, free, no materials required thing. If you want to make make it fluffy, however you want, just just you know run it well. That's you right. All right. Well, the last uh, piece of mail we have. Um, uh, Avensora or Avendisora on our forums um, asked an oft asking, uh, excuse me, an, an oft asked and argued question uh, that bears repeating, and um, we're gonna we're gonna kind of get into it here. He, he asks this. He says, "Okay, the fighting defensively description on page 152 says that you can fight defensively as a standard action. It then implies that you can attack another standard action in the same turn." Could you then fight defensively, not attack, but do something else that requires a standard action, such as a force power? Okay, homie. Um, this is about to get ugly. Your question is at the root of arguably the most hotly debated aspect of the rules on ours and many other forums in the past, and no doubt the future. Um, it has led to trollism, flame wars, and angry feelings all about. My words here right now will no doubt get me lambasted for weeks online. Now, mind you, this is nothing new, uh, but uh, here we go. Okay. Um, Rodney Thompson has personally clarified the confusion surrounding defensive fighting, not only online, but on our own podcast. Go ahead and give episode 12 a re-listen. Basically, as is stated on page 152 of the Core cool Rulebook, per Rodney, it costs you a standard action to fight defensively. And yes, you only get one standard action in a round. This means that instead of attacking, you can spend your standard action to gain a plus two to reflex defense, plus five if you're trained in acrobatics, um, and you take a minus, but but that's the thing, you, you, you take a minus five on attack rolls that round. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. If I'm spending my standard action to fight defensively, how can I make any attacks that round? One, attacks of opportunity. Two, given actions uh, through talents like Impel Ally 2 and Trust. Other characters can give you free standard actions for later in that round. Those attacks would have a minus five penalty to them. Attacks of opportunity would have a minus five penalty to them. Okay, 
Now, page 152 also clarifies that if you choose not to take any attacks at all, even via the above methods, no attacks of opportunity, no granted actions, your defense bonus is instead a plus 5 or plus 10 if trained in acrobatics. Um, Now, Jedi Master Thompson clarified that this is how it's supposed to work. Not like it did in RCR, not like it did in 3rd edition D&D, like this. It's not, you know, you take this minus on your, it's not, it's not you do this as part of your attack. It costs a standard action in its own right. Now, there's been a lot of confusion over this, even among system developers who've contradicted themselves over it again and again online. Even the book contradicts itself on page 86 in the text for Melee Defense, which Rodney clarified was a typo. Okay. Now, <laughs> having said all that, that's how it's supposed to work rules as written per the lead developer of this system. But only about 50% of the gamers I've met actually use this rule. The other half run it like defensive fighting in D&D or revised core rules. Okay, What you do is really up to you. But if you want the official ruling, that's it. You'll take what you get and you'll like it. Do it. Can you keep that voice? We need to, we need to record, some, record some drops, man, while you get this voice. No. You can really pimp, pimp out the emperor. In a world... <laughs> oh, poor Don LaFontaine. The the yeah, for those of you who don't know, like two weeks ago Don LaFontaine died. Got the um, bonus. He, yeah, he was the, 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 the announcer guy from the movies, you know. In a world where that children guy. go hungry. That guy. Yeah. That guy. That Always guy. that guy. Sounds like he's been smoking for nine years right before he did the Yeah, pretty much. So nine years straight smoking while he's sleeping. So yeah, he passed away. (laughs) Peace be with you, Don LaFontaine. I doubt you ever picked up a D20 in your life, but maybe he did. Maybe he was a closet gamer. Maybe he was. Hell of a GM. Can you imagine those NPC conversations? That'd be awesome. Yeah. Oh, it would have been great, (laughs) huh? He could have been the voice of Vader. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. But in any event, that's all for the mail call. Thank you, guys. If you guys have any questions for mail call, any thorny questions you want answered, any rules, conundrums, you can go ahead and email them to us, gmchris at d20radio.com, gmdave at d20radio.com. You can post them up on the forums at d20radio.com slash forums, or you can call us with your questions. We would love to play them for everyone to hear, and uh, you can also leave your your bumpers to your I never listened to the Order 66 podcast bumpers. That's right. Which I'm pretty sure that that was said in uh, Norwegian at the yes, top of the, the show. Yes, the very first one I think was was uh was uh, Nor- Norwegian. Um very cool. Um but yeah. uh if you guys want to leave us a message you can go ahead and give us a call on the Lusa line. Um, to us What is it? 206-600-5872. LUSA. Lusa. Request a motion to suspend the rules. You're gonna suspend the rules? Shut up, Shut up. Motion granted. All right. 
Well, uh, it's time to suspend some rules, and for those of you regular listeners, recognize our uh, our, our normal. Uh, uh, well, actually, we did this last week, although it's supposed to be a biweekly thing, but we, we kind of wanted to do it again this week because it really tied in with our discussion this week. Right. Um, suspending the rules is uh, where we talk about house rules that you guys have, modifications to the raw, to the rules as written, brand new rules, uh, stuff that you know people can use for their own games that we feel is inspired, um, and we're going to talk about it. And if you guys uh, in the future have any stuff you want to post up for suspending the rules, you can do so right on our forums. But this week, Dave, we're going to talk about the temptation of the dark side. Um, Darth GM, who was kind enough to leave us a bumper, um, posted up these rules on our forums per my request, um, as I saw them elsewhere and thought that they would just be perfect for our discussion this week. And he's introduced three new rules in his home games that account for the temptation of the dark side. And... um, Basically, I mean, you know how it is, man. The, the films, they tell us over and over that the dark side is, is e- you know, easier, more seductive, you know, but but uh-huh. uh, it, it, it quickly becomes a slippery slope, right? So many players have felt that this aspect of the dark side of the Force isn't represented very well in Saga. Um, although I will tell you that some of the new options in the Force Unleashed campaign guide that we'll be discussing later have changed that. Um, but Darth GM offers even more goodness in this regard. First of all, he likes he notes that each of these options are only available to characters whose dark side score is less than their wisdom score. In other words, you can't call upon the dark side in this way once you've already fallen to it, uh. which is very important. Okay, uh, these three house rules. The first one is called give in to your hatred. Uh, which basically, you can immediately re-roll a skill check or an attack roll, and you have to take the new result, even if it's worse. If you use this option, you gain a dark side point. So basically, you can, in his games, with this rule, choose to re-roll any skill check or attack roll, take the second result, but you automatically gain a dark side point for doing so. So you're giving into your hatred. Um, his second rule, hatred makes you strong. Uh, when you spend a force point, to grant a bonus to a d20 roll, you may roll one extra die, uh, one die six, you know, or a d8 if you have strong in the force feet, um, and then add that to the force point die, or the, the highest die that you've rolled, okay? And if you use this option, your dark side score increases by one. So basically, when you're spending a force point, you can roll an extra die and add it to the total, but that'll increase your dark side score. And his third rule, strike him down, yeah. which is... Uh, if you spend a force point on an attack roll that successfully hits the target, you may add the bonus from the force point to the damage roll as well. So if you roll in that d6 and you get a 4 and you add that to your attack roll, you can add 4 to your damage as well. But if you use this option, your dark side score increases by 1. Um, and bonuses to the attack roll from Hatred makes you strong. Uh, you know, if you add that extra die, are also added to the damage roll if you strike him down. So that can get pretty broken quick. Yeah. But thoughts, man, I I really like these a lot. Um, the only problem I have with them is I think they're too easy for a non-force sensitive to abuse. Um, I can't. I, I can see making force sensitivity a potential prereq for any of these a viable option if that worries you too much. And if it doesn't, don't worry about it. Um, I love the fact that these are only available to those who have not fallen to the dark side yet. It's perfect. Uh, the dark side gives you such power, but then takes its toll on you once you are a, a, a part of it, once you belong to it, basically. Right. So, I don't know. What do you think, man? I, I, I like them. I, I, I don't think it's going to be a, a big problem. I think the, the non-force sensitive is still going to be able to use those. They, they don't know where it comes from. They just know that they're angry, or they just know that they're stronger because they 
you know, they don't understand the force, but that's that's an excellent point. You know, it's still there. Yeah, it's still there. I, I'm yeah. I, I'm I, I love these rules a lot. I think they're fantastic, and they work wonderfully if, you, if you're planning to run a dark side game. Um, but just you know, rein it in, and uh, I, I think um, these are some absolutely wonderful options. So, thank you, Darth GM, for sharing with the rest of the Gamer Nation. And again, if you guys have any uh, rules you would like to suspend, any house rules you want to share, get to the forums at d20radio.com/forums. Share them with the Gamer Nation. Who knows? You just might get your shizzle on a podcast. Izzle. Izzle. Yeah. For fizzle. Okay. Whatever. Whatever you say, man. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you say we get to the meat of our discussion this week? Let's talk about the dark side. Let us talk about the dark side. Basically, in response to numerous emails and forum requests over the last couple months, uh, we're going to spend this episode to take a long, hard look at the dark side in your games um, and examine some ways to run dark side games and dark side characters in a good and hopefully fun way. So prepare yourself to become strong in the dark side of the force and to strike down your old ways and take your place at the gaming table. All right. Well, let's talk about unleashing the dark side, Dave. Let's talk about some character options. Um, now, we have kind of shied away from the dark side talent tree when we talked about the force um, in, in a couple of our episodes. Um, and we really haven't discussed the the Sith Apprentice or Sith Lord uh, prestige classes, mostly because, frankly, these don't have a lot of play with PCs, usually. Most people aren't running dark side games, and they don't want to take advantage of these. But since we're talking about running a dark side game, now is really the time to do it. So let's talk about it. Um, the dark side talent tree, uh, which is in, on page 101 of the core rulebook in the fourth chapter, um, let's kind of go over some of the basic talents you can get there and do, do some stuff like that. But basically the dark side talent tree has several things available to you. The, the keynote ability for the talent tree is called power of the dark side. And it is the essence of what the dark side can give you fast power. Okay. Um, whereas, you know, th this talent really does exemplify that, that fast power ability, that, that quick and easy route of the dark side. The problem is you have to spend the talent to do this, which means not everyone could do it. So, uh, but basically, you, you know, you roll an extra die when spending a force point and you take the best one. Not bad. Um, not, not bad at all, really. Uh, then the rest of the talent tree, which of course, dark power of the dark side is a prereq for, um, there's dark presence and revenge. Uh, okay, I want to talk about these. Okay, I don't like them. I don't like them at all. And and this is just me. It's only my opinion. I mean, I think these are great talents. Uh, you know, you get bonuses to defenses and attacks and damage. That's never a bad thing. But they just don't fit. Okay, Dark Presence, for example, gives you and all allies within six squares a defense bonus. When have the Sith ever been concerned about their allies? Okay, Revenge. You get so upset at the death of an ally that you get bonuses to attack and damage. Why would a Sith ever get upset about the death of an ally or a master? They'd be the one doing the killing, quite frankly. All right. So it doesn't make sense to me. They're cool abilities, but they just don't fit the flavor for me. Um, and, of course, there's uh, two other abilities in the tree. Um, Swift Power which is the other one, the final one printed in the core rulebook. Um, this is really the capstone of this tree. It is the best talent in this and many other Force talent trees. Once a day, activate a Force power that normally takes a standard or a move action as a swift action. The uses for this are, are limitless and amazing. 
Um, I mean, you know, with this power, you can do two force stuns in a round, which can easily drop a foe in a single round, okay? Or maybe a force stun to soften up his defenses, followed by a nasty but often hard to pull off force power, such as force disarm or force lighting on a high reflex character. Um, one of the nastiest combos I've ever seen with Swift Power, Dave, um, is is uh, a round spent using Force Stun or Force Lightning as a move action to knock a tough foe down the condition track, then using Surge as a free action, Battle Strike as a swift action, and then using your standard to charge into combat. Uh, you know, obviously charging, you know, 12 squares if you roll high enough um, if, you know, on Surge and, you know, all, having Battle Strike all prepped, and you can just really, really really mess some people up because keep in mind and this was a, a question we didn't quite get to uh, but it was asked on the forums when you move somebody on the condition track you are affecting their damage threshold as well because it obviously affects their fortitude defense so major major cunage not ponage cunage because q is one more than p is better um is, is is abreast with swift power and then in the force unleashed campaign guide the most recently released book there is a brand new talent that got added to the dark side talent tree um, called Wrath of the Dark Side. Now, this is on page 88 of the Force Unleashed campaign guide. Basically, when rolling a natural 20 on a use the force check for a damaging power, instead of refreshing your force power suite, you instead have half the damage you just dealt affect the target again the next round. Nice, but highly situational. Um, this is most useful for those highly damaging powers like force lightning, basically. So... Very, very cool. But moving on, uh, when we finally delve into the Sith Apprentice and the Sith Lord Prestige classes, which are on pages 223 through 225 of the core rulebook, uh, not too much time to spend on here. Functionally, guys, these are identical to the Jedi Knight and Jedi Master Prestige classes, which we discussed in episodes 25 and 27. We shall not speak of episode 26, Dave. Um... Same hit die, same defenses, most of the talent trees, yada, yada, yada. The big difference here are the special features and the Sith talent tree, okay? Um, the Sith talent tree, all right? This is available to both prestige classes, page 223 of the core rulebook. All right, now we're talking. This is what I like. This is a boatload of selfish, awful Sith abilities here, and uh, let's, let's, let's talk about them. Um, so the first, uh, I guess, couple that we really want to take a look at in this Sith talent tree are dark healing and improved dark healing. Okay, finally, the dark side lets you use the force to heal yourself quickly, all right? And only by killing someone else. Yay! Uh, <laughs> these are amazing abilities, guys. Use them. Furthermore, if you want to abuse them, realize that dark healing is an attack roll via raw, okay? Because it is an attack roll... Um, there's no use the force. Basically, there's no use the force check required. As such, things like sneak attack and dastardly strike can be applied to it. Okay, yeah. but be wary because uh, cover concealment and firing into melee penalties without you know precise shot also apply to it. So overall, yeah. yay though. Overall, very yay, very yay. Um, then we move to the dark side adept and dark side master talents. Um, uh, you know, hey, wow, okay. Uh, Rerolling use the force checks when activating dark side powers. Why the hell not? Especially since, and no one ever remembers this rule. Did you know, Dave, that you cannot spend a force point on a use the force check to activate a dark side power? Ever? Yes. Really? You knew that? 
Yes. No, no one ever seems to remember that. It's on page 96 of the core rule book. Check it out if you don't believe me. Right. The dark side takes its toll. You can't, you know, it is what it is. You can't modify right. uh, a use the force check to activate a dark side power. Um, there's only a the, couple, you know. Well, there's a lot more now. There's like seven. Well, yeah. Uh, but basically, yeah. Um, so, okay. Uh, else in the, in, the, in the talent tree, we've got dark scourge and force deception. Uh, useful. Meh. Useful. Um, but lastly, there, there's Wicked Strike. Okay, In my opinion, Wicked Strike is a waste of a talent. Okay, I think it's nice when it happens, but it's far too situational, and it costs you a force point. Bottom line. Okay, There you go. Now talking about Temptation, uh, this is, the, the, I guess, the, the special ability difference. This is the Sith Lord ability that we saw in full action when Palpatine kept saying, Dark side and complete in, uh, in Return of the Jedi to Lukey Boy when he was trying to turn him. Something, um, something, something. Dark side. Something, something complete. <laughs> uh, but uh, this is pretty useful for an NPC, okay? But for a PC, there's no real point um, aside from role-playing purposes. Combat-wise, it's very useless. But to excel at it, be sure you're trained in persuasion, okay? This is available. Um, and uh, yeah, th- that's pretty much it. Now, a few other things, a few other talent trees to look at um, in some of the new material. The Krath talent tree, uh, which is on page 56 of the KOTOR campaign guide, the Krath were uh, a, a pre-KOTOR era organization. I mean, really, like like Exar Kun's time, like a long time ago. Um, started by a couple of basically spoiled rich kids who started messing around with Sith sorcery. And there's a few disparate talents here and there, and a couple gems. Um, the, the biggest one, of course, I like is um, is Krath Surge, which is once an encounter, um, you add one die of damage to a force power or you increase its range by six squares, and that's a big deal. Not bad at all, okay? For powers like Force Slam, which would become a 12-square cone with this, Ow. or Force Lightning, okay, which is now 12 squares long, uh, this is battlefield control to the extreme. So basically, I, I mean, th- this little talent is as powerful as a Force Technique, um, and all for the cost of a single talent with no prereqs associated with it that can be taken as early as first level, assuming your GM allows you access to the Craft Talent Tree. Uh, which may be a little difficult for to convince him or her of if you're not playing a KOTOR era or before game. So there right. you go. And uh, as far as other character abilities, let's talk about Temptation of the Dark Side. Um, now, this is an optional rule that was presented on page 85 of the Force Unleashed campaign guide and would literally work wonderfully in conjunction with um, the house rules of Darth GN that we just talked about, uh, which says basically, okay, if you're Force-sensitive, as a free action, you can spend a Force point to temporarily add any power with the dark side descriptor to your Force suite. You use it once and it's gone, but it only lasts until the end of the encounter if you don't use it. And it's an instant dark side point. Um, So... There we go. I I really like that rule. It adds a lot to the whole temptation of the dark side thing. Um... And it's a wonderful rule. Again, it is optional, and it's in the Force Unleashed campaign guide, but, but check that out. Okay, so so obviously, Dave, it, it's beneficial to play a Darksider. You're unhindered in terms of what Force powers you can use. And and as I said, there's literally there's seven Darkside powers to date, um, most of them horribly damaging and effective. I mean, they're spread out through the, the Core Rulebook, the, the Force Unleashed campaign guide that just released, and the KOTOR campaign guide. Um, you can kill and maim with abandon, and, and reckless wanton slaughter means nothing to you, right? Is this fun? 
Yeah, it can be. All right. Is this balanced within the game? Well, it can be, uh, but we need to talk about it. So let's move on to bringing balance to the force, running a game. Okay, so, so you've decided to run a dark side game. Let's take a closer look at the rules of engagement and what will have to be changed or modified in order for you to do so. Okay. A few things to look at and change. First of all, the DSP equal to your wisdom score phenomenon. Okay, the core rulebook recommends character death for any PC whose dark side points equal their wisdom score. Make them an NPC. Okay. Obviously, for a dark side game, uh, this restriction will need to go out the window. But now we're faced with a dilemma. Okay, we've talked in episodes nine and ten about how DSPs are the mechanical way the game balances out the force. So you can only go willy-nilly for the Force for so long, or it's effective character death. This is what keeps the Force balanced with the rest of the game. And with this restriction gone, what do you do? Well, we'll talk about several options that can help, okay? Um, party cohesion, all right, a.k.a. what I call the asshole factor. Pardon my French. Um, look, we, we've all played games, not necessarily Star Wars, um, usually D&D, where someone is playing a, a darksider uh, slash chaotic evil slash chaotic neutral character who simply becomes a dillweed because he can. All right, maybe the rules aren't going his way, or he's got a board streak he wants to iron out, or maybe maybe it's just a tool, okay? I've game with plenty of those. Either way, he attacks party members that piss him off, steals their stuff, he kills NPCs with useful information, refuses to help comrades in need, and is generally just an asshat. Um, no, things like that get you DSPs in Saga, Dark Side Point City. But in a Dark Side game, where Dark Side Points means squat, how do you prevent the party meltdown? Well, we're going to take a look at that as well. So let's talk about the price of the Dark Side. Bottom line, guys. All right. For an amazing group of awesome players that aren't susceptible to the vagaries of bad moods or human emotion, the above issues we just talked about really shouldn't trouble you too much. Your players will naturally avoid abusing the rules or harming your story or other party members. Right? Right. But raw, rules as written, the only way to avoid abuse is to rely on your players to play nice. And in light of that, in my humble opinion, the only way to successfully run a dark side game is to move beyond the raw and institute a fair number of house rules. Now, we're going to present a couple house rule options for you here that you can use some of, all of, or none of. Um, these house rules are designed to not only rein in the darksiders and keep their power in check, but stay within and, heaven forbid, even build upon existing Star Wars canon. All right, first up, Darth GM's house rules. The stuff we just talked about earlier in suspending the rules. The rules that we, that he brings us that we discussed are brilliant. Okay, They give those that are not completely steeped in the dark side options that the fallen, the fully dark side characters don't have. That makes them more powerful and really helps curb that power creep. Okay, Another good suggestion is a house rule I like to call the dark side takes its toll. Okay? A theme presented again and again in the Star Wars universe is that the dark side is this quick and easy path to power, but it will ultimately take its toll on you and may make you pay for all that it's given you. From a metaphysical, emotional sense, okay, um, one who's fallen to the dark side loses all love, all emotion, all family, all friends, um, and this could be what the, everyone's referring to. 
I don't know. I like to think of it another way. I like to think that it's actually taking a physical or mental toll on you. And the Star Wars universe is resplendent with beings and creatures um, from the Emperor to a Tarentatek uh, that are steeped in the blackest depths of the dark side. And usually they're missing something. Maybe they become horribly frail or weak or slow, or they become mindless beasts or raging monsters of men. Uh, So there's two ways to do this. When a being is Force-sensitive and they fall to the dark side, um, in other words, their their dark side score equals their wisdom, uh, they take a permanent reduction of three points each to three ability scores of your choice as a player. Uh, The dark side has taken its toll on you. Now, this is very costly, but it will help balance out your power. And likely, if you have a Force Wizard, they're going to choose their three physical scores and become like the Emperor. And if you've got a a brute of a player, they'll probably choose their mental scores, not caring too much, and want to keep their con and dex and strength all up there. Or they could mix and match. Now, the other way to do this, and this is actually my preferred version, is to do away with the whole dark side score maxing out of your wisdom score rule. Because as, as it's written right now, you can't get more dark side points than your wisdom score. It's just like the level. And once you've done it, you've fallen, basically. And let your characters continue to accrue dark side points. You know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 112, whatever. Then, when equaling your wisdom score and dark side points... All of a sudden, those players take a minus two penalty to an ability score of their choice and another minus two to an ability score of their choice or the same ability score by every five points their dark side score exceeds their wisdom score. So if I got a wisdom of 20 and I get to 20 dark side points, I immediately take a minus two penalty to an ability of my choice. And if I get to 25, I take a minus two penalty to a different ability or the same ability again and so on and so on and so forth. The more evil you get if you're a force user, the more the dark side takes from you physically and mentally. I really like that house rule. Uh, the next one we want to present is called the dark side is fickle. In a smack back to the force point rules of the RCR days, institute a force point penalty for those who have fallen to the dark side. A being whose dark side score is equal to their wisdom score rolls one less die when spending a force point. Uh, minimum one still. So at eighth level, when you normally roll two die six for a force point, you're only rolling one d6, and so on and so forth. Um, that's not a bad little rule and can really help rein in that power somewhat. And the final house rule we want to talk about um, is one we call beware the dark side. Though the dark side gives you power, it draws on you when you need it the most. Um, a being whose dark side score is equal to their wisdom score suffers an additional drawback. The Force guides his or her actions in a way they do not wish. Once a day, the GM can force the character to re-roll any D20 roll he or she just made. They must take the second result, even if it's worse. Now, that sounds a little harsh, but I really like it. Um, you know, a good GM is not going to abuse it, um, but is going to use it when you really need to do something, but, you know, the dark side takes from you and won't allow you to do it, basically. so Right. There's some house rules, um, and honestly, any or all of them could really help rein in the dark side and, uh, and give you some more options when you're playing. But let's talk about game building now, because this is kind of the next step. Okay, so, so you're, you've got these above methods, you've got your own, whatever. These are all easy ways to keep the power curve in check. But when the dark side points and character death no longer mean anything to you, and they serve as wonderful, uh, they, they kind of serve as wonderful encouragement for a jerk to play nice, basically. But if you don't care for these rules, all right, there's a few simple game construction methods and constraints that can yoke your players in a constructive way and keep them 
on track. All right. The first one I like to call the super boss, right? And uh, basically, have the party report or be held accountable to a character even nastier than they are, who would easily kill them outright and would have the power to. Uh, Darth Vader comes to mind. Um, the fear of death will usually keep even the evilest of Sith in line, ensure that they follow instructions, and, and minimize collateral damage. And if your player characters can see the benefit of using each other to gain power and insist on, uh, or if, if they can't see the benefit of using each other to gain power and they insist on player versus player shenanigans, this overlord leader who controls them just might take offense to that. You have failed um, me for the last time. Pretty, pretty much. Um, you know, the, the first Dark Side game, Dave, that I, I, I GM'd in this system, they did just this. Vader was their direct report. And at about 7th level, they decided they weren't going to get, they, they were going to get pissy and take over. And they attacked <laughs> him. They attacked him. Vader. Um, TPK. Enough said. Uh, and, and that was it. And it was still a fun game. But, you know, that worked to an extent. Uh, but even then, they, you know, they, they still, like all Sith do, challenge the power. Now, the next uh, game-building thing I would, I would encourage is what I'd call compliance or death. Victory or death. Victory or death. Oh, no, that's Rylos. Never mind. Sorry. That's right. Yes, yes. God, what's with you in the last Starfighter references? Um, Not sure. I don't know either. But listen, one of the more creative things I've heard of for a dark side campaign was this. The GM started the session with all the PCs waking up in an imperial medical facility with strange surgery scars on their sides. And to ensure their compliance, the imperial moth that they'd be reporting to took the liberty of implanting high-yield explosive charges inside each of their body cavities. Um, and these charges were rigged to detonate if tampered with. Um, and they would be detonated if they failed to accomplish their set of objectives. This was brilliant. And once they'd realized rather quickly that their own skills in treat injury and mechanics couldn't disarm these explosives in their bodies, it actually became a subplot to have them removed. And the team of Darksiders actually came together in order to do it, um, which is pretty cool. Um, so compliance or death, excellent option. And the final option I would offer would be massive reward. Um, similar to the above two methods, the characters are promised a massive reward, uh, usually something unique to each character, for following all the orders and staying on the mission. Uh, depending on what motivates your party, this might be just the thing to excite them. If they're going to get pissy over you know, the compliance or death option, or if they're just going to attack uh, a, a, an overlord on sight because they don't want to be controlled, you know, offer them reward to work together. Make it worth their while, and uh, they just might go through with it. So, the bottom line, guys, the campaign guide recommends effective character death when falling to the dark side for a reason. But dark side games and characters can be fun, memorable, and meaningful. And with a little judicious use of some house rules, proper player coaching, and an agreement between the GM and all the players involved as to how the game will be run and the goals of everyone involved, you can avoid the pratfalls of the dark side and revel in your dark power when good games go bad ah uh, yes so we it finally is, got one right it is time it is time or, or, or should i say oh here we go again <laughs> hey, sorry uh yeah well this is our when good games go bad segment or basically when we uh you know uh we 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 share stories of of gaming situations gone awry that have been shared with us via email or on the forums and uh you know offer our jaded stilted and uh usually incorrect advice um as to what uh you can possibly do to help mend the situation 
And uh, we got an interesting one this week, Dave. Yep. Um, I got an email this week that presented a rather sticky situation. Holy broke-tastic noble, Batman. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, <clears throat> the email reads, Hey, GMs, Dave and Chris. I have a question about a creepy, crazy credit character and his newfound way to get lots of money. First, when creating his character, he puts his highest score in wisdom, in this case, 18. Next, he takes a level in scoundrel and takes the gambler talent. Then he takes noble, takes the wealth talent at first noble level, then he waits till he has a sizable amount of credits and then goes to the largest casino he can find. He then gambles like crazy. He uses all of his force points to modify his rolls, giving him even more money. Then he uses his destiny points in a game of pure chance and basically adds a zero to the end of his bet. He started with about two to three thousand, now he has about five million. Seriously. He used all five of his destiny points, and it was all perfectly legit. Now he plans to buy a couple of Star Destroyers, and with a little money he could legally, he pays off anyone uh, with a little money he could legally. Uh, he pays off anyone who stands in his way, and following logical role playing, they have to accept his money. Uh, anyway, I dealt with it already by having the character mugged by a cheap thug who took his credit chip and managed to hack it with a roll of a twenty. The character is now completely broken without any force or destiny points. I couldn't help but chuckle to myself. Um, anyway, if there's any way to prevent this from happening again, I'd love to know it. Thanks, Lord Helmet. Okay, dude. Yep. Um, okay, should I go ahead and cue the? Uh... Oh, never mind. I was going to. Yeah, cue no. The... Yeah, you can. You can go. Go ahead. You can go ahead. Well, it was a combination actually of. And that one because I want to put that GM in jail because he is stupid. Well, yeah, simple mistake, not really. Um, but it sounds like he dealt with it in a good way. Um, one probably my good recommendation. Oh, but, I, I like the creative solution, but it should never have gotten to that point. I, I agree, and that's the thing. There's a serious issue we need to address about your question and your player. Okay, Lord Helmet. But first of all, I would like to point out a, a slight fallacy. He cannot use destiny points in that manner. Um, as is laid out on page 113 of the core rulebook, the only D20 roll that he can apply a destiny point to is an attack. That is it. You cannot apply, apply it to ability checks. You cannot apply it to skill checks. You cannot apply it to the straight D20 roll for a, uh, a, a random chance game, which um, you should be rolling anyway, not him. Um, so... Uh, th that's an issue, but okay, be beyond that, okay, even then you still got a problem, because he can easily and legitimately apply his force points to his gambling checks. He can do that. It's just an ability check, a wisdom check, after all, and you can use force points on wisdom checks. And, okay, with the right build, I mean, you go noble scoundrel, I mean, he's going to be rolling in the dough, absolutely, and there's not a lot you can do to stop it. Uh, but why? And this is kind of where we come to it. Okay, first and foremost, Star Destroyers are not purchasable. <laughs> okay, and that's kind of where I want to lead into this. Um, okay, if you look at the Star Destroyer block, it says cost, not available for sale. This game has intentionally done this with all the really cool stuff to prevent things exactly like what this guy wants to do. You cannot buy amazing ships, rare lightsaber crystals, or even templated armor or weapons. They're all available as GM rewards only, if at all, okay? And two, as you so cleverly noted, from a gaming perspective, a man with money is now a walking target. I mean, seriously, Dave. I mean, I mean honestly, if, if, if somebody's walking around with that much money, I mean, 
in a casino. People know how much money he's making. I mean, good God. If I was in a party with him, I would try and take it. If I wasn't a Jedi, and even then I'd be sorely tempted. Um, <laughs> That'd be funny. Uh, but, okay, that's another thing. Now, and here's here's the final point where we really come to this. What is he hoping to accomplish here? <laughs> oh, okay, I mean, great. You're a millionaire. Congratulations! You've won Star Wars! Yeah! All right! Wow, it's been a great game. Thank you for playing. You know, I mean, woohoo! Good. What's the point, man? I mean, in this game, accumulation of wealth for the sake of it is very, which is a very, very Dungeons and Dragons thing, is is virtually pointless. I mean, especially when wealth is supposed to be and is an ability <laughs> that is as powerful as deflect or devastating attack. Wealth is is the way to get around things, okay? But the very point of this game is to do what? To get credits? I mean, what challenges are the players trying to overcome here? And will five million credits really help? I mean, honestly, dude, would a million credits have stopped Palpatine from trying to take over the galaxy? Would a million credits convince a true Jedi Master to give up his convictions? Okay, if you're running your game properly, his credits will give the players an easier time. I mean, with maybe obtaining certain gear and equipment and stuff like that. But that's his role as a noble scoundrel anyway. That's the power of money. Um, But they're going to have no other concrete effect. I mean... What's the point? Is kind of what I'm yeah. getting at, yeah. and and that's that's kind of where, where I want to leave it to yet. I mean, is his is what he's doing legitimate? Well, for the most part, except for the fact that he can't use destiny points and he really can't buy all the stuff he wants to buy. It's not possible or even listed. Um, he is going to be able to do this. I mean, any one with the noble talent can really do this. I mean, I have a noble in my current house game. One of them. That I mean, she's she's a heavy duty gambler, and she's made a lot of money. I mean, good grief! When you, I mean, you were you're in that game, Dave. When you guys were on Terrace, I mean, she turned what two grand into twenty. Um, yeah, but I mean, and, that's not that's not crazy money like five billion credits. I mean, well, no, but but even then, what 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 could be done with five billion credits? Just, I mean, re- you know, I mean, really, you bribe somebody uh, here or there, you you know, you buy your way into certain things. I mean, it's really not that. It, it's, it's it functions the same yeah. thing as a really good persuasion check. Yeah, so. it functions the same. I mean, I mean that's the thing. Uh, it's just it's just another aspect of the game. Yeah. So I mean, if he's going to be a one trick pony and devote all he's got to it, yeah, why not? It's not going to affect things that much. And if you're running your game properly, helmet, it shouldn't affect things that much. But this is the deeper issue. You need to talk to your player. What's his preoccupation with it? It sounds like he's got a real dungeon crawl D and D mentality. The same type of guy that you know is going to strip stormtroopers after he kills them. Another mid um, maxer. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it sounds like. And it sounds like he thinks he's pulled one over, if that's the case. But, again, just just what's the point? So, yep. Sorry, I, have didn't a talk to, them. I didn't mean to, yeah. like, dress you down in front of everybody, God and everybody here, but you need to have a talk with the lad. Yeah, you, you do. Um, just, just to find out where he's at. And remember, it's your game. But, you know, the ultimate goal is what's his motivation, and that's for you to help provide. So, right. There you go. Well, speaking of motivation, uh, or, or in this case, lack thereof. Lack of motivation. Um, uh, good grief. Do we yep. want to try and, and and call TK? I mean, I, I really no, I don't know I don't. if it's going to be easy or hard or, 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 or what. I Yeah, I, I really don't know. What, what do you think? Eh. We'll see. 
We are paying him. We should probably at least no. attempt to use his services. Fine, I'll try. Okay. Fine, okay. fine, fine. Okay, DK421. Come in, sir. See? Told you you wouldn't be there. Oh, I'm here, guys. I'm here. <laughs> Woo! How y'all just doing? <laughs> I was, just gonna, I was just going to lay out on you. Oh, I thought you hung up on me, man. I thought I got to the phone a little too late, man. Um, so okay, you know, I'm, 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 I'm How you feeling? How you feeling, big man? I'm a little under the weather, and so I am somewhat man. surly. Oh, man, I, I feel you right there, man. I was under the weather last week, man. I had a hangover lasted about four days, man. Whew. I was, I was, I was, I was very sorely myself. I, I, I don't mind telling you. Yeah. Oh man, we got into it something fierce, man. I, you know what? I, I've, I've come to the conclusion that I shouldn't go on duty after drinking, man. It's, it's just a bad scene all around, and it can cause too many problems. Yeah, man. I tend to agree with you. Oh, it, it was just wild, man. We, I tell you what, man. I tell you what, man. You ever come across one of them Jedi? Yeah, I've seen a few here and there. Man, well, you know, we, we didn't think that none of them religious fanatics were still around much, right? But we was over here uh, down down in Coruscant, or excuse me, the Imperial Center, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> we heard reports of this guy down in some of the slummier areas helping people out, you know, impeding Imperial progress, basically. And we went down there, and I'll be darned if the, if, if the sucker didn't have one of them glowy swords, man. <laughs> glow stick. Oh, man, well, you know, I've seen them things around. You know, I, this, this, this ain't no Jedi or nothing, man, but we was shooting at him, you know, trying to trying to bring bring him in peacefully, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> Just, 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 just take down the threat, you know. And uh, he was, he was knocking our blaster bolts off, man. It, it was something wild. And so, you know what I did, Dave? You know what I did? What did you I do? Hit my, I hit my carbine into full auto fire, and I laid at him, man. And let me tell you what, that much ammunition, he couldn't get rid of all of it. <laughs> yeah. I hit him good too. He had to run off, but before he left, man, he moved his little hand at me, and this rock came and hit me in the back of the head, knocked me out cold. So. Yeah. See, he'll get back at you one way or the oh. other. He's lucky to survive. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, it just comes with the hazards of wearing the uniform. You know, right. it's, it's a sacrifice that I have come to accept. Sure. Well, very good to hear from you, sir. Thank you for calling this week, or at least for answering this week. Oh, yeah, son, you know, as long as y'all keep paying me, <laughs> I'll keep hearing. And uh, your check did clear. Thank you very much. I do appreciate it. No problem. All right, Hosers. Well, I'll talk to you later. All righty. See you later. Later. Bye, TK. Later, Hosers. <sighs> well, is that going to bring us to... Twenty docking bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. Okie dokie. It seems like Heart of Julio Mark II decided to write us. 
Yes, yes. And thank you, Julio, uh, who emailed me and started a forum discussion on this topic for today's D20 Docking Bay. Um, he writes, he says, hey, I have a new topic I think is worthy of the Docking Bay. Conjecture arose as to whether a ranged attack fired with the burst fire feat is considered an area attack in all regards, specifically the way it interacts with the deflect and redirect Jedi talents. And on the forums, he continues, he says, since burst fire is a function of an auto-fire attack, can it be deflected by a Jedi? Or do we rule that only half can be deflected as an area attack? What about redirect shot? Can I redirect the attack at all? If yes, do I use the extra dice of damage, uh, the extra dice in, in my redirect damage? In addition, does a missed attack with burst fire do half damage? Um, anyway, thanks for your time, and may the Force be with you. Okay, Julio, good question. Um, there has been some discussion about this across the net, and I was looking at the rules and about to respond before Elvin Shea over on the Gleemax boards actually beat me to the punch. And because the, the rules are clear on this, but they're just convoluted, and uh, we, we kind of got to tease them out. So let, let's get to it. Um, burst fire. For those of you not aware, pick up your core rulebooks, turn to page 82, and you can find the burst fire feat. Great feat. Great feat, especially for a heavy weapon specialist. But basically, what it comes down to is that you train yourself to direct auto-fire at a single target instead of an area. Um, so, you know, instead of, you know, the uh, for auto-fire, that two-by-two two area, you're just directing it at a single target, not even a square, but a single target. You still take your minus five penalty to auto-fire, but you deal an extra two dice of damage if you hit. So if you're looking at, like, a heavy repeating blaster, Dave, that's, like, 5d10 um, for, for taking a minus five penalty to hit, which is not too terribly bad. And if you brace, if you're able to brace, it's only a minus two. So that's pretty freaking amazing. Okay, so that's the feat. Now, area attacks and auto-fire. Let's talk about that. Okay, both those things are detailed on pages 155 and 156 of the core rulebook. And the distinction is made. An area attack can be made with an auto-fire weapon, but an auto-fire attack may not necessarily be an area attack, most specifically when used for burst fire. Okay? Both the burst fire feat on page 82 and the burst fire notations on page 156 make it clear that while burst fire is an auto-fire attack, it is not an area attack. And thusly, to answer part of your question, Julio, it does not deal half damage on a miss, and evasion cannot be used against it. You hit or you miss, period. Now this brings us to Deflect and Redirect Shot. Now these are both talents in the Lightsaber Combat Talent Tree of page 41 of the Core Rulebook. Deflect is, of course, the ubiquitous, you know, one of the first talent that every Jedi takes if they have a lick of sense. It's what allows you to make a, a use the force check to negate a successful ranged attack. And it is very clear in its description with the following. You can deflect some of the shots coming from a ranged weapon set on auto-fire. Not area of attack, not area attack, guys set on auto-fire, and thus take half damage if you succeed or use the force check to deflect. Okay. Now, as for redirect shot, which allows you to basically send back one of your deflected attacks to the attacker, the wording is also very clear. Barrages from auto-fire weapons, again guys, not area attacks, simply auto-fire attacks, cannot be redirected. Alright, so here's the bottom line. Deflect and redirects restrictions come from auto-fire attacks. Now, the fact that most auto-fire attacks also happen to be area attacks doesn't much play into it, okay? They respond to burst fire thusly, the same way they would an auto-fire area spray, because burst fire is an auto-fire attack. So, 
far as burst fire goes, you can deflect it for half damage, but you can't redirect it. And even without deflect, a character missed by burst fire takes no damage. Um, your other question you asked Juyu about, you know, if you're able to to deflect, does the bonus damage uh, add? Well, you can't you can't you can't redirect, so it's kind of a moot question. But in terms of other things you can redirect, such as um, um, rapid shot. Um, there hasn't been a hard and fast ruling on things such as rapid shot, where basically you're firing off you know two bolts in quick succession, although it's one attack roll, um, and you only make one use the force check to negate all the damage. Uh, however, personally, looking at the wording of rapid shot, I would only allow the base damage of the weapon to be redirected because redirect specifically says that you redirect one blaster bolt, one. And even though it's only a single attack roll, uh, rapid shot is two blaster bolts. It costs you two blaster bolts from your power pack. Um, so I would only allow one of them to be redirected, even though both are deflected. So there you I go. hope that helps. And um, if you guys have any questions for the docking bay, any thorny issues you want delved into, uh, please let us know. Uh, email us, gmchris at d20radio.com, gmdave at d20radio.com. Uh, you can go ahead and give us a call at the Lusa line, 206-600-5872. Or you can become a part of the Gamer Nation, voice your mind, Go to the forums, d20radio.com, slash forum, get your voice heard, buy a t-shirt. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. And be happy. All right. Well, now dude, that you're, I you're sounding moderately anymore, better. So a little bit, but yeah, it's about time to wrap it up. Maybe I'll be good time. to go. I, I, I don't know. We're, we've got some scheduling issues for this weekend, so I don't know that we'll have episode 37 available, but yeah. But well, I mean, it'll be out soon. It may not be Sunday, but it, we'll we'll have it out as, as soon as we can. We might we might be able to get it out a little early, but uh, I know that it's it's just been a hectic week. But we uh, will try our bestest. And as a as a preview, we have had another request for episode thirty seven that we will be delving into. Uh, we've had several other email requests asking us to really delve into encounter design, um, ways to build good encounters, and that is going to be the focal point of our next episode, episode thirty seven. So be sure to tune in d twenty radio dot com. And, uh, you know, be sure to subscribe to the feed so your various portable MP3 player of choice can download at your leisure. That's right. Very good. Yep. Very cool. But thanks, guys. And uh, here uh, in the uh, heartland of uh, Texas, (laughs) where we are, um, I am GM Chris wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. That's right. Keep them dice rolling as long as you can speak. Mm. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. I don't know where you whippersnappers get off. I'm not a grognar, but in my day we talked about our games in the bookstore where people could look at us funny. So no, I won't listen to your Order 66 podcast. I'm going to go out, get stared at like a man. Ha!